It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707, 59 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. If you have a question about your lawn, your garden, your trees, your shrubs, your flowers, your houseplants, your beginning gardening, vegetable gardening, if you have any question about anything in the natural world, my brain is your brain. 404-872-0750. Janice is in Marietta, but she had a question about her lawn in Texas. Something happened to what happened to your lawn, Janice? Well, actually, Walter, it is not my lawn. It is my mother's lawn, and she oh. lives in Dallas, Texas. Okay. But she had a very, very beautiful Bermuda lawn, and over the last year, it became. She started having patchy areas of um, very yellow grass, and then the grass would turn really crunchy brown. Um, and then eventually her entire yard died. Um, I kind of pulled it up, listened to you very often, pulled it up. I did not see any worms or anything. Um, I think it was a fungus, but now she wants to replace her entire lawn and she wants to sod the lawn, which I think is a great idea. But my concern is if it was a fungus and it was something in the soil, do we need to treat it before we spend the money on the sod to have that happen all over again? Whenever you have a disease on a lawn, or for that matter, on any plant, there have to be three things. You have to have the, the plant that's susceptible to the disease. You have to mm-hmm. have the actual disease fungi, the, the spores that make the disease. And you have to have the environment that would be conducive to the spores reproducing on the plant that's susceptible to them so that all three of them, if they're present, you get a disease, you get a yellow lawn, you get dead areas of trees, shrub, whatever. If you have one of those things missing, if you don't have the plant, if you don't have the fungus spores, if you don't have the right environment, then the disease does not happen. So in your mom's Bermuda lawn, the fungal spores are probably already there and have been there forever because fungal things just fly around. You know, the wind blows them from here to there to the yon. The thing that causes disease most often in a lawn is the environment that somehow it got too dry, too wet, too over-fertilized, too under-fertilized, you know, things like that. Okay. So that's what I would investigate first is how did your mom manage the lawn how often was it watered if it was watered more than twice a week that was probably too much because most of the time lawn grasses bermuda in particular like to be dried out just a little bit between waterings and if her let's just say for instance if she had an irrigation system that came on every morning at 10 o'clock and watered for an hour that's way too much water. and You get diseases from that because there's just too much water and the roots on the grass are, are inhibited. And okay. that's the kind of questions I would ask, Janice, is what about the environment made the grass susceptible to disease? And once you figure that out and fixed it, hopefully, then you can dig it up and resod without any without any further ado. Okay, so there's no problem with 
once we find that out, and I think it probably was overwatering, they did get a lot of rain, okay. like we did also. Okay. So there's no problem with sodding as long as we cut back on the watering. Exactly. That's exactly okay. right. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. That three-legged stool. I've had disease, you know, lawn professors and others who work in pathology and plants, they always talk about the three-legged stool of disease occurrence. you got to have a host, you got to have a fungal disease present, and you got to have the right environment. Every one of them talks about a three-legged stool, and if one leg is not there, the disease does not happen. There we go. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much. You bet, Janice. Thanks for calling. Explain that to your mama about those three-legged stools and see what she thinks about that. It's 7-Eleven. Cole calls us from Lilburn, Georgia. Hey, Cole, good morning. Hey, thank you for um, taking my call. I sure, appreciate Cole. it. Yeah, man. Um, so I've got uh, a neighbor's lot that is um, it's terraced, so their lot's about five foot higher than, than me, and um, we have a retaining wall that's out of railroad ties. And on that, the previous owners had planted several jasmine plants. Okay. Um, and there was a wood trellis on top of that. So we had about an additional three or four foot of privacy on that wood trellis. Great, yeah. Um, but the jasmine um, was so overgrown and so tangled, and then the wood trellis rotted. So now it's collapsing down into our yard. <laughs> okay. Um, and so it's a big mess. And, so, and there is some dead growth underneath it, too, that some of the jasmine is growing on top of. And I'm wondering, I mean, it's a beautiful plant, but it's just so over you know, tangled and overgrown, I was wondering um, the best way to care for it. I mean, obviously, we want that privacy still. Um, do I need to just cut it all the way back, or is there a way to salvage, you know, the plant? Do I replace it with a different plant? You know, what do you think is the best option? This, the jasmine that you're referring to is Confederate jasmine, the vine that smells so good. Uh, it does smell good, and right now it's blooming with quarter-inch yellow I'm sorry, I'm like quarter-sized yellow um, blooms. Uh, okay, I, don't know I wanted to make sure which one we're talking about. So the one that you have is actually Carolina jessamine, J-E-S-S-A-M-I-N-E. And we all pronounce okay. it jasmine, but it's really spelled jessamine. So I'll, I'll okay. pronounce it that way for right now. So you could spend, gosh, if you're obsessive, Cole, like I am sometimes, you could spend all afternoon trying to untangle that vine from the arbor that's right underneath. Or you could say, man, I'm just going to cut the whole darn thing back, which is what right. I think you ought to do. Just get out there with hedge trimmers or pruners and cut the whole vine back, remove the arbor, grow, uh, plant, mm -hmm. uh, build a new arbor for the jasmine, jessamine, I mean, to to grow on and then train it with string. You can sort of bring what's left of the vine over to the arbor, let it start, start climbing the arbor. And by the end of the summer, you should have at least a quarter, if not a third of the arbor covered with the jessamine vine. And next year okay, you'll cool. get some yellow flowers. It'll increase even more and more yellow flowers, more vine. A couple of years from now, you'll have a beautiful privacy area, nice sturdy arbor and covered in green and yellow flowers every spring. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, uh, and how far down would I cut it back to, like the plant? So is as, there far like a certain... as far as you need to, <laughs> not any okay. further than further than that. Uh, okay. It sort of depends on your level of OCD and how right. far you want to go back to untangle it. And there's part of me that okay. says, "I'll just cut it down to six inches. Don't worry about it." And there's right. another part of me that says, "Oh, leave a little bit of growth on there. Leave a little bit of untangled vine to." Splay okay, out to the side and, while you're building the and arbor. And I can do that now. Train it back. Yeah, you can do it now. Sure. This weekend okay. will be great. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate your advice. I right, have fun with it, Cole. It's going to be a All lot right. of work, but it'll be a lot of fun when it gets done. It'll be really yeah, nice. Yeah, I'll try my best. 
It'll be really nice. <laughs> All right, looking. thank you, sir. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750. The numbers at Mike down at McDonough dialed just a few minutes ago, and now he's on the air. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, because of the rain and the cold and my general laziness, I never got around to spraying my peach trees with Captan. Mm. And I was wanting to know, is it a waste of time to do it now? And if it is, does that mean it's a waste of time to do the rest of the fruit spraying? You know, I do it now just for fun, just as penance. Penance is what you have to do, Mike, sometimes, and it may not do as well. It won't prevent disease as well as if you had done it while they were blooming. But there's still some open buds, still some openings in the buds themselves that some of that fungicide will get down in there and help a little bit, I hope, to prevent brown rot and other beach diseases, scab and things. Yeah, I think you've got to do it. All right. Is there a reason that they use generally cap tamper fruit trees and dacanel for tomatoes, even though they're both fungicides? Uh, not that I know of specifically. Both of them are labeled for use on edibles, so I think you could use dacanel on the peaches and cap on the tomatoes, but read the label and see. Um, but they're just the two most common fungicides around that uh, are labeled for use on edibles in most cases, so that's the only ones I really ever mention. I was just wondering if there was a reason I was buying two fungicides. Yeah. I, there's got to be somewhere in the in the minds of the marketers who put it on the market, I guess. But I don't know offhand exactly what the reasoning would be of why you have two of them. Don't know. All right. Uh, also, my uh, apple trees got a lot of fire blight. The, the, every year it gets worse and worse. Is there something I can do about that? Oh, man, fire blight. Prune it out as quick as you see it. You know what it looks like, the blackened end of the branches and the crooking over that happens. And it has not, I haven't seen it on any Bradford pears yet this year, but as soon as you see it on apples or Bradford pears or any susceptible plant, just get it out quickly. Prune it out and better to prune back two or three or four inches maybe into the living tissue and sterilize your pruner in between prunings so that you don't spread it with the, with the pruning cuts. Okay, so nothing chemical that I can do. No, uh, during, again, during bloom, if you spray with one of the copper fungicides or you can get streptomycin online, I think agromycin is another brand name for streptomycin. It's a bacterial spray. But that's the two alternatives you have. I think both of them have to be sprayed during the bloom season on the apple. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Keep a lookout. See you, Mike. Fire blight on apples and pears is a devastating disease, and it is the disease is described exactly how it says. The ends of the branches turn black, about a foot of the end of the branch on your pear or your apple will turn black. It'll crook over at the end. It looks just like somebody hit it with a, with a fire, with a blowtorch or something. And the only way to control it is to prune out the diseased tissue. There's the sprays are okay, but they're not going to be 100%. And so pruning it out as soon as you see it is the best way you can do to control fire blight. Look at your apple. Look at your pear. Make sure you don't have any fire blight because if you do, you know now what has to be done. It's 718. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reed. 
this is Ronald Wiles. Mr. Meat Loaf. Yes, and I know the lyrics, and you know the lyrics too, Jason. We can all sing along to Meat Loaf and their paradise by the dashboard light of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, so many memories that movie, that song brings back. Well, it's going to be a beautiful day today to go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you care to do that tonight, the 77 is the high today. Wow, what a great day. A lovely day. Low 51 tonight. Tomorrow, maybe 30% chance of morning showers. High of 59 tomorrow. Low of 40. Lots of sun, some clouds in there as well, but lots of things to do outdoors this weekend. Rake all that old pine straw under the shrubbery or renew the mulch. I give myself a list of things that I need to do in my yard. Somebody needs to get out and spray the broadleaf weeds that didn't get sprayed to kill them. All those things need to be done in my landscape myself. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Tanner is in Woodstock. Hey, Tanner, what you got? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, man, I hear you great. What's up? All right. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's actually what it's called, but I have a single razor leaf bush on my right at the end of my driveway. Ooh, what is a razor leaf bush? It's, it's like a, I mean, when it's healthy, it's like, you know, probably six, seven feet tall. It's like a radial bush with uh, long leaves or like, like blades of grass yeah. almost. You can take your hand on it one way, and you're fine. But if you go on it the other way, you're going to slice your hand open on it. Wow, it sounds like a yucca to me. Is it yucca, do you think, Tanner? Uh, it could be. I, I've always grown up knowing it as razor leaf. <laughs> I like the name. Yucca has uh, common names of, let's see, Adam's Needle is one name for it, and Spanish Dagger is another name for yucca because the ends of the leaves are so incredibly sharp. And they do have some razor-like uh, edges to the leaf, too. So I'm going to say yucca if I can't think of anything else. Yucca, Tanner. All right. Uh, my, my main question with it is, you know, right now it's kind of looking like, you know, a cake that came out of the oven and didn't really rise. Yeah, all right. Good description. Go ahead. And, you know, I don't, I just, I don't know, like, what might be going on with it. I mean, right now in the center of the bush, it's like, like this hollow open like open space and it just used to be tell you what do tanner go home and take your uh camera phone take some pictures of what it looks like and put them on my website there's a little place on my website a button that says name that plant but i can identify anything you submit and just go to name that plant submit two or three pictures there and tell me a little detail about the plant itself and i'll look at it and see if i can see what it is if it's not a yucca then i'll tell you if it's not a yucca all right because we just need to know what the plant is specifically before i start diagnosing why it looks like a cake that deflated in the oven there thanks for calling tanner great question it's 728 we'll be back after news it's the lawn and garden show with walter reeves on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb it's brought to you by pike nurseries your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK and now here's walter Seven thirty-five on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I am Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful with your landscape. Whatever you want to do in your landscape, give me a call. I'll tell you how to do it better 
or worse, or depending on what you want to do, I will tell you what to do about it. We go to the phones right now. Kelvin is in Conyers, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Kelvin, good morning. Hello, Mr. Walter. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. So last spring, um, rather last fall, I planted some two grapevines. Okay. And towards the end of the summer, there were black spots on the leaves, but less than a quarter inch in diameter. And the edges of the leaves were kind of dried and brown. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going on with it, but I suspect one of the vines have died. One is budding um, this spring. Will that problem recur, and how do I deal with it? Do you remember what kind of grapes they were, Kelvin? Was it muscadine or bunch grapes, or do you remember any variety names? It's a table grape. One is a white grape, and okay. the other one is a red grape. Okay, it's a bunch grape, in other words. Bunch um, they are more susceptible to disease than muscadines. Muscadines are the, you know, the native grape of the southeast, and they are tough and hard to kill. And the table grapes get a few more diseases. They're not terribly susceptible to grape diseases, but they get some. And so my guess is these uh, table grapes that you have have either Pierce's disease or leaf scorch, one or the other. Now, how are we going to do with Kelvin? What are we going to do to fix him? What my inclination to do, Kelvin, would be to wait for at least another month to see if you have any growth either off the vines that don't have any leaves now or maybe some sprouts from below, from, from the root system of the plants. It's still early. And so anything that's going to happen hasn't quite got the warm soil to get it working, get it going quite yet. So I would wait till the end of April. And then if you feel like it looks stressed or the edges of the leaves start turning brown again, give me a buzz then. But I don't think we have quite enough time with growth on the, on the vines for us to diagnose anything right this minute. Okay. Well, based on what I told you, you said it might be Pierce's or leaf spots? Uh, yeah, there's a disease on grapes called Pierce's disease, and then there's leaf scorch as well. Scorch, okay. Okay. But, but again, I want some new growth. I want to see a good vigorous growth on the vine with some big leaves that are spread out completely before I really make any kind of firm diagnosis of what's going on. Okay. All right. Very well. Thank you, sir. Yeah, talk to you then, Kelvin. Thanks for calling. We go to Patty in Marietta. Hey, Patty, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Patty? I'm great. Hey, uh, my question is I'm, I want to put some shrubs on each side of my house, like yeah. one on each corner, one to hide the trash can, one to <laughs> shade my air conditioner unit. Okay. And I really like the Abrodites, but the lady, but they look to me like they get too tall and too big mm. around. Yeah. And so my landscaper suggested steed holly or the dwarf Alberta spruce. Mm. And I looked at the Alberta spruce, and they're really pretty, but do they do well in the south? No. They do not. Where is Alberta, Patty? Canada. Down south? (laughs) No, it ain't. It ain't in south Georgia. It is up north in Canada. Uh, Well, they had a lot of them over It's really well there. Doesn't do so well in Atlanta. Um, So I would decline the Alberta spruce. The Steed Holly is not a bad choice at all. 
there are some smaller arborvitaes, and I remember I'm trying to remember now which one I saw recently at a nursery that only gets about five or six feet tall. What is the name of that thing? Run around to a pike uh, patty at the Marietta Pike and say, what is your small arborvitae's name? There is one, but I can't remember the name of it. So you could use an arborvitae that doesn't get quite so tall. Okay. But the steed hollies, uh, what's the max you think they grow to? Mm. I don't want a 20-foot tree there. I haven't grown, I haven't grown one myself. Uh, but I just know that as a holly, it's going to be a nice, you know, easy-to-grow tough plant you're not going to kill it by just looking at it like you would maybe with the alberta spruce so uh, labels read the label and see what it says but i offhand i don't know on steed but i'm going to let you read the label and find out patty okay all righty well thank you very much all right i'll steer you away from alberta spruce that would be a mistake okay. i'm sure yeah Pines i didn't think so and arborvitae maybe even a cleara cleara is another shrub that can be only four or five feet tall and clear it would be a nice screen, evergreen screen for things too. Okay, I'm just wanted to stay away from anything with any prickly points. Yeah, like the other holly bushes that I've had that I had to get rid of. There's a soft touch holly that you might look into as well. Soft touch has. has I did name. look at those yesterday, okay. and I think the steed was more what I wanted. Okay. Kind of hot, you know, growing up slim. Yeah. All right. And not too huge around the bottom or anything. Okay. Okay. Well, right. that answers my question. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Patty. Thanks for calling. Oh, by the way, we had the caller in the last segment who had the plant at the end of his driveway that had a sawtooth edge on it, remember? And I said, well, maybe it's a yucca. My friend Shannon Pable, who's a very uh, astute plant diagnostician, someone who identifies plants for me all the time, that I don't know what they are. She said, you know, I wonder if that was just a plain old pampas grass, pampas grass, because pampas grass this time of year, it, you know, has an erect clump, of course, of grasses in the fall of the previous year, the big white plumes on it and everything. But at this time of year in spring, if it has not been pruned back, it does look sort of like a cake that's been imploded, that <laughs> sort of collapsed in on itself. It does have sawtooth edges on the leaves. And the leaves are sort of pointy as well. So it's possible that the caller we had earlier in the show who had the sawtooth edge, razor edge on the leaves that he was talking about, pampas grass. If that's the case, this is the time. You've got to get out soon, quickly, like this weekend, and cut it back to about 12 inches or just above where the new green growth is. I'm sure there's some green growth on your pampas grass like it is on my maiden grass, which needs to be cut back this afternoon. Maybe I'll get around to it this afternoon, get it done myself. Ryan is up in Kennesaw and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ryan, morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. I've got mimosa weed, yeah. and it's yeah, and it's in my backyard. And I know you've talked about it before. And it's what I've got is a real shady spot, and I've got a lot of moss. And I kind of, you know, I can't grow anything, but the moss is doing great. Is there something I can use to kill the mimosa weed and not kill the moss or not? <laughs> I've started being real honest, <laughs> like I used to be real dishonest. I would say, oh, yeah, spray with this and control the mimosa weed that way. But I've begun to realize, Ryan, it's better just to tell the truth right up front. To control mimosa weed, it will take two years and probably four sprays to do it. And the stuff that I would use is either the Weed Beater Ultra, the... Um, 
what is it called? Bio, biologic, bio, what are bioorganic? The, what used to be the bear people with the blue bottles, the season long weed control, or the We Become Max. Any of those three both prevent seeds from coming up and kill broadleaf plants. And that's what mimosa weed is, is a broadleaf plant. The thing is about mimosa weed is once they start dropping seeds, once you allow them to mature enough to drop a seed, the seed sticks around for at least a year or maybe two. And that's why I say it's going to take two years. You just have to keep ahead of it, spraying according to whatever the label says on the product you choose, and spray it regularly or pull it with every day you go out there, pull every plant you can find if you want the organic control. But the only thing that I can recommend to you is either pull it assiduously or use one of the three products that are broadleaf weed preventers as well as broadleaf weed killers and give yourself two years. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's not, it's not encouraging, Ryan, because everybody wants something that happens today. Spray today, gone tomorrow. And that's just not the nature of mimosa weed. It is a very, very tough weed to control, and you got to hit it both ways, both the pre-emergent and post-emergent uh, sprays for it. Let's see who's next here. Beth is up and coming and joins us. Beth, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hey, Beth. I'm great. How can I help? Well, I have a pie-shaped flower bed close to my house. Yeah. And I am looking for something with some height to be able to put into the middle of that flower bed um, as a focal point. Hmm. So you want a shrub, an evergreen woody plant, or a flower, or what do you want? I mean, flowering would be lovely, but as long as it was something that could give um, some just vertical interest to Mm -hmm. the bed without getting, you know, above my gutters and stuff like that and causing issues with that, that would be lovely. So in other words, it can be pretty big. It doesn't have to be two feet high. It can be four, five, six feet high, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Gosh, I have, I have seen um, uh, pencil holly. You know, the the holly that's very upright that is mm-hmm. uh, can be as many as eight feet tall. I guess I've seen it as many as ten feet tall once or, once or twice. But the sky pencil holly is a possibility. Very narrow, very columnar, evergreen. Uh, if it gets a little too tall, it's easy just to cut off the top, and it gets to whatever height you like. Vertical is all get out, so sky pencil holly is one possibility. There is a new yopon holly. Again, my brain is not quite remembering the variety name, but yopon holly is a tough native holly, and there's an upright form of it called straight talk. Is it straight talk? Maybe straight talk is the name for it. Okay. Again, very columnar, very upright. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of more that I'm not thinking of right this minute. Running into any nursery, run into the pike nursery up there and coming, and just walk around a little bit. Come in on a morning when nobody's very busy, like a Tuesday or Wednesday morning maybe, Beth, if you can, and just ask one of the employees that's been there for a while and say, what do you think is real erect? What's a nice erect shrub that I could put in the middle of my garden? And maybe they'll have more advice than I have. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have fun with it, Beth. It could be really, I can see some really nice things going around, around an upright thing, a columnar thing in the middle of the bed. So it could be really, really pretty. I think you'll have a nice looking landscape there, something really fun to design around. 
747 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. I want a girl with a mind like a diamond. Girl who knows what's best. I want a girl with shoes that cut and uh, eyes that burn like cigarettes. I want a girl with the right allocations who is fast and thorough and sharp as a tack. She's playing with her jewelry, she's putting up her hair, she's touring the facility and picking up slack. Yes, you may find Jason for the best garden show music on the planet right here this morning on the Lawn and Garden Show. Jason Byers, take a bow. The quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, 77 lovely degrees, degrees this afternoon, low of 51 overnight. Tomorrow, 30% chance of a morning shower, high of 59, low of 40. A very pleasant weekend for getting out and playing in the dirt this weekend. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes, of course. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got Tom in Cumming, Georgia, who may have missed his opportunity. Hey, Tom, good morning. Hey, uh, Walter, thank you for taking the call. Sure, man. Uh, I've got a five-fruit tree. It's got peaches and apricots and plums and oh, yeah. two other things. I don't know what they are. And I took your advice about spraying just before the blooms open. Okay. And I sprayed it with Dacronil. Good. And then, uh, I am I supposed to spray that again after the blooms fall off? Are there any blooms still on it? Or are they fully closed? Or what's the condition? No, there's still some on it. Yeah. Yeah. Spray one more time. Okay. And mm-hmm. I got leaves on it now, but I mean it's a about a ten foot tree. Yeah. And last last year was the first year we actually had fruit on it, but it was you know, it all rotted on the tree. The what Tom for listeners who didn't quite catch what Tom has, he has what I call ambrosia trees, trees that have several different kinds of fruit grafted onto the same trunk. And yeah, so you have peaches and apricot. What else is on there, Tom? It's supposed to be plums, and I'm not real sure what the other two are. <laughs> well, you'll find out, I guess, when the fruit comes on. Hopefully, it won't rot this time. Tom, one of the things you always have to worry about with the ambrosia trees or trees that have a lot of fruits of different kinds on it is one usually wants to be the most vigorous growing limb on the tree, and you have to keep it pruned back enough so that none of them conquer or, 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 or overwhelm the others. Plum is the one usually is the limb usually that tries to get ahead of everybody else, shade everybody else out. So at least identify the plum limb or identify the limb that's most vigorous, and don't let it be too big, too shady, too everything over the tree, because eventually you will have only that limb and nothing else to eat. Um, well, that said, I'd... spray now one more time, and, you know, it wouldn't hurt my feelings for you to use a what's called home orchard spray, a regular spray schedule, because all those things you have on the tree, the, the plum, the uh, apricot, the peach, uh, they all are... Insects and diseases love them. They love them just as much as you do, Tom. And so if you don't control insects and diseases persistently, then you end up with brown rot or cuculio or one of the other bad things that happen to those trees. 
and you don't get any fruit. That's not what you planted it for. You want something to eat. So you did good to spray initially when the flowers were open. You did great to spray again now, but follow up that with a home orchard spray that has insecticide and a fungicide in it and do it until the label says you have to stop right before harvest. Hopefully you and the squirrels can enjoy some fruit out there, and you'll be good things to eat this year. Coming up in the next half hour, Don in Buford has a honeysuckle tree or honeysuckle vine that he wants to transplant. Jan in Milledgeville has wildflowers that she wants to transplant and wants to know quite when to do that. You can join us at 404-872-0750. You can also join me this afternoon. Well, I guess it's more this morning, 11 o'clock. I'll be at the Autumn Hill Nursery in Woodstock. I'll be talking about new special plants that they have as well as planting techniques for success. That's Autumn Hill Nursery around 11 o'clock this morning up in Woodstock. I will see you there. It's 7.57 and one half. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. <laughs>